0: Good morning to you, my petal. Not you, Chris. Welcome to this week's That Tech Show, where we reveal the magicians behind the magic that there's everyday technology. We've got a cracking show lined up for you today. Chris, do you want to let them
1: know who we've got on the show? Yes, we have Aaron Hawthorne. Now, this guy has a real interesting backstory, having tried his hand at many different things, driven by his energy and enthusiasm for life. Aaron is a former recruiter, and he was one of the good ones, in my opinion, and he has the benefit of being technical, Not only that, but he has proved time and time again that he can find exactly the right person. In the last year, however, he has turned his focus towards helping recruitment agencies build better brands and better relationships with their clients. He has also moved out of London for somewhere more picturesque during lockdown, and we'll get into all of that.
2: My name's Aaron Hawthorne. I um. I grew up in Belfast, moved to London about 10 years ago. Um, I've got about seven years experience in the recruitment industry. Um, and yeah, hopefully that, that gives you a bit of an introduction as to Do you want more?
1: No, that's good. We'll start from there. You, <laughs> did, you did seem a little bit unsure about what your surname was. I
2: know. And I was like, Whoa. no, I was, <laughs> I was unsure whether or not I should say it. That's what it's like, because it's in, it's in my name anyway. It's in the... Um,
1: so you've moved around a little bit anyway. You've yeah. moved from, from Belfast into London. Uh, you've been here for 10 years, as you said. What's the plan? Are you sticking around?
2: Um, no, I'm not. I'm actually going to mo- Well, I'm sticking around, but I'm not st- sticking in London. I'm actually moving in the next month up to the Lake District.
1: Wow, that's quite, um, that's quite a big move. What's, the, uh, what's What's the reason behind that?
2: Um, I I think the whole COVID thing, the whole pandemic um, came in. um, It's given me a few opportunities to work from home fully remotely if I need to. Um, I'll still be coming back down into London to meet with the team, etc. But um, the cost of living in London versus the cost of living up in uh, Lake District is, um, you know, four or five to one. So um, even in the recruitment (laughs) industry, I've, I've been chatting to a lot of people and people are up and moving for bigger houses and gardens, you know. You can't get a garden in London. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think the wider industry, a lot of people are moving outside of cities because they can work from home. and That's a luxury now.
1: So you think you're going to be working from home or working remotely for the foreseeable future then?
2: Yeah, so for the company I work for now, HOXO, um, multi-nation company, um, we've got people in South Africa, got people in... Um, America, we've got people in the UK. There's a girl that's moved out to Barbados, so uh, it's very much focused on output rather than sort of having to be in the office on time. Depends, in uh, you know, things a bit different, as I'm sure you agree, is actually meeting people face to face. So, so has that um, changed?
1: Has that changed for them recently, or is that is that is that just part of their nature anyway?
2: That was always part of the nature. Um, they did have people in the office um, to have that camaraderie and kind of like everyone getting to know each other on a personal level, but obviously the pandemic's hit and it's kind of like it's, it's worked and um, we're growing and people actually prefer working from home. But I think there also is uh, an element of wanting to actually work in the office or, or meet with the team and have that human-to-human interaction, I suppose, rather than just a, a little square a square on the screen trying to, <laughs> try to get to know someone. Because I joined in the middle of it, so I've only met a few of them. I haven't met the wider team. It's only been... But it brings That's people interesting a lot closer, though, so you're yeah. still building
1: the relationships even though you've not actually met them.
2: Um, no, so I've met, I've met the two owners and uh, a few other people because I've known them for for some time before I even joined them, but the wider team, now, um, It's an interesting dy- dynamic and we're doing lots of stuff like a Friday fun day and sort of do quizzes and do some different things like that to try and keep the morale up and kind of keep the relationships um, between us all going rather than just like working and then signing off at 6pm and then that's it you know <laughs> so and how long have you been working with them now then? Ooh, good question i think it's eight weeks this is the end of, the end oh, of this really? week so you're eight just weeks? You're, yeah. you're just
1: starting and you've seen the opportunity to up sticks and move to the lakes that's
2: it and then away i go <laughs> but in <laughs> recruitment beforehand like that would never have been the case yeah That was one of the reasons like I, like i love the city right it's The city was like cool getting out, like the opportunity there to go meet people and have coffees and drinks and dinners and all that sort of stuff. Like it's a a different lifestyle. Um, But then as you go on and obviously whatever's here, it's it's like that's no longer the case anymore. Everyone is now used to working from home. And if people are working from home, it's like, well, there's no need to be in the city anymore. There's no need to. So do you think it might
1: not come back then? we might not be i think uh, i think there's the there's,
2: there's definitely a toss up right now so i'm i'm having a few conversations with people where we're going to open the office fully back up and then people have either got the option to come in or the option to work from home but i would i would i would like to work fully remote because i can still i can focus a lot more and get get the output that i need to get done every single day but then you miss the I suppose the office banter the office you know you you can get things done a bit quicker together as a team rather than having to like dial someone and zoom someone and all the other stuff but I'm finding that there's going to be a bit of a blend between working from home two or three days and maybe going to the office one one or two days a week yeah I think that will ultimately what it will end up to be
1: interesting well I mean let's go back a bit anyway so let's talk about the start of your career so what did you study first of all and what led you into recruitment
2: oh good question so i studied i'm a geek right? i love love computers i've built computers i've built servers I've, I've always been into building stuff i was i even built websites in dreamweaver um, done c++ programming vb6 but like creating buttons creating like little applications and that was cool and then, so i've always had a an interest in computers and gaming like a huge gamer Um, don't really get time to play it now unfortunately but um, and then I inevitably went to uni and actually studied game programming Um, so that was an interesting one Um, but there was so many people doing it every year like my class and then we had like another class that was very much focused on the game engine and then I was actually building the game so we had the playstation 2 dev kits this is 12 years ago by the way um we had the ps2 dev kits we had the crt monitors we had the like oh it was just clunky um and then i moved let i actually dropped out of uni after two years so i didn't complete it because there was just so many people um there was just so many people doing the course versus how many jobs there actually was at the time and then when you dive into the actual salaries of it, I could, I could make more money just getting a, a, a normal job than I could at uh, being a game programmer. So then I just, I just was at a point where I wanted just to make money, get out and make money. Cause then I had another two years. It was a four year course, another two years to go and uh, get myself into more debt, more debt, more debt. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm going to, so I went home and I got a job. It was in the time of the recession. So I got a job in the middle of a recession and I beat like 2,000 people to get the sales job selling beds, so <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, that was quite good. So I saved up enough money and I had about 940, 950 pounds in my pocket, and um, I moved to London. Well, I moved to Stevenage in Hertfordshire. And uh, I paid first month's rent and first month's deposit, which is 900 quid. So I only had about 40, 50 quid in my pocket for the first month. And then within like three or four days, I got myself a job as a contractor for Fujitsu doing like EPOS systems. Um, so I was all over the UK doing like M&S and doing... Um... In, in what role? Like sales or... No, in... no, no. This is just in computers, like in oh, build, actually, building yeah. stores. So any M&S wow. store, any boots, any M&S store pretty much throughout the UK, I built. Wow. So I built the backend servers, I wired everything up, I've done the full till system. Um, and then so we, how, did we... you,
1: how did you land that role from a, a, a game programming <laughs> dropout into selling beds oh, it's, into... It's mad, uh...
2: right. <laughs> so I... Is this I... where you
1: learned you had the gift of the gap and you could talk your way into it. anything? <laughs>
2: I think that's it, right? It's so true. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about it now, like, taking me down memory lane. Yeah, I think... I I moved moved to Hartfordshire on New Year's Eve and straight into a party New Year's Eve night and then the next couple of days a bit of a lag over from um, people on on leave and holiday and stuff so nothing really kicked in until like a few I think it was the fourth or fifth and the first day I went out and I went into the um, town centre to go into all the all the recruitment businesses and i walked into one called manpower and um as i walked in like started talking to someone she said actually let's have a chat now so i started chatting to her about my skill set in it and all this and she said do you know what we've got what we've got a few engineer roles where we give you a van we we pay you a hundred pound a day and um, you've got a fuel card so you can use the van at leisure and you can do all this stuff and you travel all over the UK. I was like, sick, that is great. Like, you know, from going from 50 <laughs> quid in my bank account to then being offered like essentially 500 quid plus a free van. I was like, yeah, give me it. Um, So then at that point, she then said, let me, so she rang Steve. Steve said, yeah, he's free at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And then so I literally went from there down to steve's office done the interview and started on the following monday so and like give me a van give me the keys give me all the paperwork and that was it so i was just like this is great um so it worked worked on that for a that year seems a, a random job to find I, I took the first thing that came i was just like you know like when you first move rather than trying to be picky i was just like give me give me anything and I'll, I'll just work at anything um so yeah that was fun <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, how
1: did, so how did you get from from that then a man a man in a van <laughs>
2: man in a man in a
1: van yeah a man in a van installing computers in M uh, and yeah. how did you get from that into recruitment?
2: So after that then the contract had finished on Marks and and Boots, and um, I really wanted to move into the city, um, so I applied for a job and it was with a company called well, BT, um, and one of their accounts was a deco. So I was traveling from Hertfordshire to London every single day. And I was a bit of a slog. I was just like, I don't like this at all, especially in the winter. Um, but they were in Tottenham Court Road. So I was there, as, um joined as first line support, moved up to second line. And I was there for a few years. And because I was on the account of a deco, a Adeco are a huge recruitment firm. They got like thirteen or fourteen different brands within it, like computer people and people so often, that sort of stuff. And I was constantly speaking with like the directors and the, the the consultants in these companies, like fixing their IT issues like password resets or access to different programs and whatever whatever it is they want. So we would get the tickets through and I would read the ticket, but I would already fix the problem before I phoned them. Then I would phone them and I would get them, I would RDP in and I would get them to show me the problem and then it, then it would work. And then I would just have a bit of banter with them and be all like, why are you wasting my time? And just have a bit of to and fro chat. And they, after a while, like once they started to get to know me a bit more, they're like, you should really get into recruitment. You're very chatty, you're very, you know, you know, open all the rest so i was like yeah absolutely i, I goes what What he do suggested doing they said Well, we're not recruiting right now but put your cv up on the job board and someone will give you a call so i did and then on a wednesday morning i was walking into work and i got a phone call from gravitas from a guy called guy bevington and he phoned me in the morning we had a bit of a half an hour chat and then he said yeah i'd love to bring you in for an interview and i said to him well i'm free tonight um so i went and met him on the Wednesday night and we had like an, an interview for about two and a half hours I remember it. walked in I had scruffies on and everyone's in suits and I'm, I look like I've just been <laughs> uh, done some dodgy place but um so anyways that was good and then he invited me in the next night to meet with another guy called Shillin. and Shillin then interviewed me for half an hour and he was just straight to the point like yeah you got thumbs up for me job done thanks so I was like okay, so what's, what happens next? And then it was then the final interview with um, Jonathan Ellerbeck, who's the MD of Gravitas. And um, he, he was in Somerset at the time and he had a, an hour phone call with me. But what he doesn't know is I went to a room and I had loads of paper of what he might ask to what my <laughs> response would be. So he obviously can't see me. It was on the phone. So he was asking specific questions and then I was like just reading off the paper. Um, That's quite a lot of preparation. Yeah, well, how many, the how job, many of the but, questions?
1: How many of the questions did he actually ask oh, that you'd written down?
2: Well, it was it was very much <laughs> around like goal driven, like you know, just just making sure I've got everything written down rather than waffling. It would just be like, yeah, what are you what are you looking for, and who are you, and tell, you know, because guy would guy would have prepped me a bit on the questions. He would have I can't remember the questions right now, but. Um, I think Guy really wanted me in his team, so Jonathan was like the final tick in the box, right? <laughs> and so um, that's
1: how you got started, then. You got. That's the how I got started. Yeah,
2: uh, a month later, joined, and that that was it. Yeah.
1: So that's an interesting, an interesting route into into recruitment. So I was trying to think back to how we first met, and uh, yeah. I can't remember exactly. But did you call call me?
2: I... <laughs> oh yeah, you you don't know how we got we got talking. I must have called you emailed you called you like once every two or three weeks so and, so, this, so
1: this relationship that we've we've known each other for i yeah. don't know probably getting on for about eight years yeah. now is I this uh, this has started from you, you you'd actually just started a gravitas pretty much
2: yeah probably about six months to years in now i yeah. think what i what was different with me and you was one of my one of my mm-hmm. um biggest uh unique selling points if you will is the fact that I, I'm technical. I understand tech. I understand how it works. I can program. I can build websites now. And you know, put me in a room with CTO, and I can talk tech, right? Because I get it. Um, and I think what was different with me is I looked at your LinkedIn, and it was to do with go karting. And um, I think on the phone call, I mentioned it to you, and then that just took the conversation from recruitment to something else. And then I think you told me about Lewis Hamilton. You told me about go karting, and then that was that was the hook. And then. From there every every other time you spoke i referenced it oh so, i see
1: i see uh, i feel like then, i've been hooked into this relationship yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were at tesco's at the time and then we met in farrington because they had offices in Farringdon. yeah we went and met in the coffee shop in farrington yeah and um i think off the back of that you gave me two contract roles two Java rolls. so uh yeah, I was oh, happy. So that
1: worked out because it worked it, out. Yeah, it's interesting because uh. there's not many. Uh, there certainly aren't many recruiters that I've uh, turned into a relationship with, I guess. And, uh, yeah. you know, will happily go out for uh, for a drink with, you know, that doesn't really happen. So it certainly uh, says something about your style. Well, um, even if I do feel hoodwinked now.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's all revealed. It's all been a Houdini. It's a big trick, isn't it? It's a, it's a sham. In the... <laughs> it's a a sham. sham. Yeah. You weren't interested yeah. at all. Wrapped up in a farce, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, well, I'm not sure where to go with the interview now. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Do-do>. <laughs> Amazing.
1: But anyway, I mean, I think that sh- certainly shows, uh, you know, a testament to your ability to build relationships. In fact, just the journey that you've gone on, I think that's uh, yeah. that's fascinating. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, about the recruitment industry sure. as well, because, I mean, do you find that other recruiters have that same approach or are there many different approaches that you see?
2: Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of different approaches and everyone's different. Um, the thing you got to do is it's it is about building relationships and it's getting your foot through that do- through the door with say for example yourself or any, any sort of hiring manager that you want to, but it's, it's using your personality and using some sort of um, commonality between you guys to actually get your foot through the door and have that conversation because a lot of people probably given the chance could do a really good job for people, but it's, again, they don't have a relationship with people. So it's about, well, it used to be about playing the numbers game to get yourself as many chances as possible to get your foot through the door. We, we had a very succinct process to go through to then, you know, get in front of people. And, and sometimes it takes eight, nine calls to actually meet someone. Yeah. But yeah if no, I'm, sure. if I'm, what I used to do is that, like, I used to, how do I provide value and how do I contact you six times? And uh, yeah. So what I would do is I would, I would initially call you and that, and that might only be a couple minute call uh, or a couple minute conversation. Um, but before we got off that call, I would I would leave you something with to come back to. So but, uh, before you go, let me let me just send you over a, a, a bit of information just about the company and 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 for your perspective, you'd be like, great, get them off the phone. But I would be all like, I'm going to use that email two days later to give you a call. Hi, Chris. Oh, do you remember me? Yeah, call. Cool. Um, the I pinged you the email, just checking that you got it. Yeah, got it. Okay. Oh, did you read it? What, did you think about it? Oh, I haven't read it yet. Oh, no worries. Listen, I'm, I'm not sure if you're around on – we've got a networking event coming up in uh, two weeks' time so or a week's time, but I'll send you some stuff across that in a couple of days. Right, boom. Send you that in a couple of days few days later just ring it up to see if you got the information about it what do you think of the network of actually yeah it's quite good oh would you like to be on it would you like to be a panelist and all it is is like leaving every single conversation with something to give you a call back on but by the by the networking event we would have con. we you would have saw my name six seven eight times and then you in your mind you'd be like oh hey aaron how's it going yeah oh, yeah no that was great yeah yeah yeah. then it would yeah, fall out for all of
1: these things before
2: hey then... <laughs> But you do that enough times, right? <laughs> but it's yeah, it's good. Like, but it's 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 providing the right type of value to um, two people rather than just going. I'm just calling up to sell you in a candidate. I'm just calling up to see, you know what I mean. It's it's yeah, no,
1: it's useful stuff. I mean, I think it's 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 really interesting as well because I I think if you were thinking about starting a recruitment company the being aware of the amount of work the amount of effort that goes into it i think is um it's it's important to be aware of that because there's be, so much yeah. effort
2: and it can be done um so if you're starting you would you would need to look at your operations the terms and conditions you know do you understand legal if you don't then you might need to get a third party you've got finance if you go on contract how do you pay them because you're looking at before you even get paid from the client, it might be 30 days, 60 day payment terms. So you need to have enough capital, enough cash flow in your in your bank to be able to pay can candidates before that. If you're just going down the perm route, you know it might it might be five months before you get paid. So have you got enough capital in the bank before month five, month six? So that's toxic. You start at month one, you go like crazy and speak to a load of people, get a few candidates on. It might be a few weeks or a month process of actually getting them interviews. Say you get them an interview month two. By month three, they've got the offer. Um, at month three, they've got a month's notice period, so they start month four. And then once they start, then you send the inv- invoice. If you've got 30-day payment terms or 60 days, then you're getting paid month five. So... Makes you, cash flow you know, very difficult. It's, it's Yeah, so you really need to think about like, all this sort of stuff, as well as what 's your market how are you building it who you're targeting all the other stuff how do you know the industry, how well do you know the industry you know who so the, but again that 's where the marketing side of things comes in because you can actually advertise that whole process and go out to a specific market with who you are and we 're seeing it now the people who are buying from Not necessarily want to work with just companies, they want to work with specific people. So, I look, I I use the analogy imagine you're in the pub and you randomly bump into someone, and you know, he's a a CTO, and you have a chat, you have a few beers, and and next minute, like, he understands you're a recruiter, and he's going to work with you based on just your personality. But you might not even say, I'm a CTO and I'm a recruiter at the start of the conversation, that might come later on. You might just be chatting about football or music or whatever, you never know, right? Um, and that's where the relationships sort of built, you know, toxic. So if you did that on online, how does that, how does that, how do you have that one-to-one conversation you would have in a pub to one to many?
1: Mm. Interesting.
2: So I, I used to really leverage on the fact that I'm technical and Mm. when I would get into technical conversations with people, you know, it, it made sense and it wasn't just here's a buzzword or here's a, you know, a uh, uh, .NET developer and MVC e- and stuff like that. It's like, well, no, well, MVCs, yeah.
1: Well, actually, you know yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's probably a bit more to, to add to the back of that because, uh, you know, you, you're you talking about Tesco. We were doing a big recruitment drive at the time and we were looking yeah. for um a lot of new engineers uh, at Tesco. And I think it's it's very difficult to find a recruiter that will listen to feedback if, because from, from a technical perspective, because often, you know, that feedback doesn't really get interpreted in quite the right way. And what I found with the, with the relationship we were able to develop was I could talk to you about mm-hmm. specific technical requirements mm-hmm. and that would immediately change in the type of candidate that you would send me. And I think that's probably where that relationship de- developed was that there was a certain level of trust that, that was um, created that didn't necessarily exist in other in other relationships because you could have the same conversation with, uh, with en- any number of other recruiters. And because they were less technical, you know, they mm-hmm. knew the buzzwords, they knew all of how, how that sort of handled, uh, how that came together, but it, it didn't necessarily translate into finding you the right person. And I found that you were very good at responding to that feedback, probably because you understood that, that technology
2: in your yeah. depth and 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 part of partial was that was I suppose the training that we had at gravitas you know mm. it was it was heavily emphasized to learn the tech and and do presentations on it and actually get underneath it um because otherwise you are just buzzword searching if you don't if you can't like qualify people technically to a level not not to the level that you would or a developer would but to a level where you know they're good, you've looked at the project, you've looked at examples of work, as well as a uh, combination with their personality, then if you if you can't understand that, then then you're gonna just be, you know, you're just gonna be running on a treadmill and, and just but you know, doing Boolean searches, and then, you know, how do you know if that person's actually any good or not, right? Um so I uh, Gravitas was very much heavily Not enforcing it, but very much you know, getting people to learn the technology that in their market that they were in. But again, it was one of my main USPs to really leverage on with people. Yeah, because you're 100% right. If people are were to listen, if they get it wrong, there's no problem in people getting it wrong or sending the candidate that's not right. If it's technically one, they can get the personality right because they should understand you as a business, what your team, what your goals are, and, and what type of personality is going to fit within your team. So that's quite easy to to decipher from speaking to them on the phone and meeting them, going to grab a coffee with the candidate. What Where people do struggle is more the technical side. So then what is the recruitment company or recruitment agent doing to actually make sure they're fully qualified in that if they're not as technical as what they need to be? Um, and there's multiple different ways you can you can go do it. You know, if you've got a technical test from the actual manager or a list of questions to go through, or does the agency themselves actually have a technical screening that they go through prior, or even sending a, a CV across? So there's different ways that actually can, uh, different things that actually can be put into the process to make it easier. Because ideally, you want to be sent three, four candidates do three, four interviews, you know, hopefully one-to-one ratio or two-to-one ratio, so if you get seven seven CVs, get four interviews, out of those four you've got a good 98% chance of securing the right candidate for you because you'll benchmark everyone against each other, right? Um, but again, it's going to be a waste of your time if they're not technically qualified to the point where is at a level for, for you and for your team. And I see that very much as the recruiter's job to do that, not not your job no, the well, I think we, we
1: did, uh, you know, I, I know that we early on, we did a couple of rounds of just trying to find the right sort of candidate. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually the, the, the flow was quite, was quite common, but it's interesting that you mentioned that that was part of the, the training regime at, at Gravitas was to get people up to speed with the tech.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, ha- you have to be now. It's not going to be that every single consultant's going to fully understand it straight away. It's, 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 some um, Something that you would develop over a period of time. So I remember I used to do, I used to do presentations with people on tech and how tech works from the the front end to middle tier to back end, you know, and giving them examples of. The Example I used to always give is like well two two different ones is one would be like a self service till and, um, putting giving them talking them through a story of walking into Tesco's getting there. Um, groceries etc and then going to self-service tell what they see is the gui right it's the front end It's what you know it's all the buttons that's all configured and then you've got the business logic and how does that work and then the database where all everything's stored and how does it flow to back and when you put it into their perspective they're like get it understand it and then once you've given them a concept of where they can understand it then you build each technology into front end middle tier back end um to, to to for them to kind of solidify, and then if a client's like really eighty percent front end heavy with a bit of SQL and whatever, then they can more or less talk to them around those areas and start to get bits of examples or projects and how they've done it um and that and comes with their personality um really should be what the recruit, recruiter's job is to fully qualify that person for um said team.
1: And so when you were talking about, obviously, the, there's the building of the relationship initially to so actually get yeah. you the role, mm-hmm. which is obviously your, uh, your hoodwinking of my good son. <laughs> um, do, do, they tra- do they train some of that in terms of techniques as well? Is that a, is yeah. that a technique that gets trained?
2: Yeah. So um, Gravitas training, training ground is really, really good. It's um, when I was there, it was slightly different to probably what it is now. Um, so it was it was done you know by the managers over a period of time so we would look at um how to get through to people gatekeepers to um you know speaking to a manager first time you speak to them like introduction capability statement to really make it relevant and then um you would look at you know candidate control candidate qualification you would look at um objection handling so if the the big ones always are. I'm in a meeting, or I haven't got time to speak right now, or we've got a PSL, and it's like you work, you constantly get these objections. So if you're constantly going to get them, you need to be like on top of it to kind of like what do you say? And that's in the right. They're going to say PSL. What do you say? They're going to say they haven't got time. What do you say? They're going to say you know they're in a meeting. What do you say? And if you've rehearsed it enough and put a bit of personality into it, you can. It's in a way, it's just a smokescreen. <laughs> because the way, it is. Because the way I used to look at it is, if if someone's got a PSL, which Preferred Supplier List, list of it's only preferred. It's only a list of agencies they prefer to work with. They've only got terms and conditions. But if you had the perfect candidate, or if I had the perfect candidate, and I was trying to work with someone, and what's going to come down to is it they want to just work with the agencies that they've got T's and C's with or if you you know is it is it more about the actual individual who's perfect for your team to then push the project forward so your your perception and what you need is very much different than what potentially HR's need would be HR want to keep you know the the right agencies working on the role whereas if you just want the right candidate you don't really care where it comes from right
1: it's interesting you talk about the right candidate though because a lot of a lot of recruiters do reach out to say i've got this CV for this candidate that's that's just come available and you know we think it's perfect for you potentially obviously that's often said in a in a cold call scenario Mm -hmm. do they genuinely have that candidate available or is that just sort of a stock cv that they're that they think will fit and match
2: oh good question um it's it's 50 50 um we were always taught that you know you send the candidates that that you have available so we've got a pool of people that we would constantly work with so I've, i'm contract background right contract mm. builder for and free so at any given time i knew who was on the market and who wasn't on the market you know and and we would send over the people that are available because if you and come so Just back and- to
1: clarify for the people on, the, on listening to the, the podcast, sure. the, uh, the, the difference there is between you working on contractors all of the mm-hmm. time. So you were a contractor guy uh, oh, yeah. versus the permanent members of
2: staff. That's right. Yeah. So um, it's two, recruitment's pretty much the same, but it's like contracts very much about um, there's a lot of contractors that could do the job, but it's about getting access to that contract position.
1: Because there's Where, much higher turnover yes, in that industry,
2: absolutely. Um, but then there's a lot. There's a lot of contractors out there that have got similar skill sets, and then it comes down to building relationships with these guys. And then permanence very much about you know it's a bit more consultative. It's a bit more you know meeting the candidate and his career path. where where he or she yeah where he or she is going and finding the right company for them whereas the contract is very much i've got the skill set i don't really care about the 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 company in a a roundabout way of you know i've I've got my own limited company i've got a set set of skill sets that i want to provide as a service to another company to then complete a project for them so that's why you've got like contractors set up as limited companies because they're not getting any of the benefits so they don't necessarily want to stick in the company for years on end they just want to come in do the project and then move on to something else
1: okay and so when what you're saying to me then is that 50 50 50 oh, uh, yeah, at the yeah. time it's yeah. uh, it's a real cv and 50% of the time it's not a real CV. Well, so uh, yeah. how did how how did you play that then?
2: Could you, I, I always <laughs> I always sent the, the the who had available because if you turn around to me contracts very rapido uh, it's very quick. Um, so if I sent you a contractor and you turned around to me it's like you phoned me off the back of it and said can I interview him because you've got a you've got a deadline you've got you've got a need to get that contractor in I could take two, away, two two things, two directions that will go. Yeah, he's available. When can you see him? And then we'll get him in. Or the other direction is, which you'll know he's not available, is, well, hold on a second before we do that. Let's have a conversation about the role. Let's, let's dig in deep. Oh, by the way, I've got five other candidates you can see too. Which, again, can work. And that first candidate may not be the right candidate for you if he or she is available or not available. But again it's 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 that one candidate may not be the right candidate. Depends on what your needs are for that role. So it may look and good so on TV. Had
1: you seen people being caught out on that before?
2: Um good question. Um have I can't really think of any examples. Um no, not really. I think, I, think um, I have saw people, not necessarily get called out, but maybe they've sent a CV and then like a, a day or two later, the client's been called in saying, right, is that guy available? And contract moves quite quickly. So then the guy's not yeah, available. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I think it's just the speed of the market. Isn't yeah, it, at exactly.
2: Like I, I remember doing placements within 12 hours from sending a CV to interview to then the guy starting the next morning. So it can move so so that's quick. That's very fast turnaround. Yeah, that's probably the fastest I've done it, actually. <laughs> um, but again, that's when you know, like that's where recruitment when you've got a niche market, you know, you want to know at any given time who's on the market and who's not. So if you do get that call, you do get that shot of having having that contract role, then you can go right this guy, this guy, this guy, bang, and it's done because you've already pre-done the work for contract you know for contractors where. If you were just like, give me the job and then go into the job board to do a Boolean search to try and find the right candidate, then, you know, you could do that. You know, anyone could do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? So this is where like the relationship side of things come into play where we would have a system where we would contact people like once every four weeks. So not to be too over the top, but then, it would be enough time to be relevant to keep in touch and keep contact. So the system was actually quite good in keeping in contact with people. So hence the why ca- you would have so
1: The call? candidates or the, uh, Both. or the,
2: Both. Candidates and <laughs> okay. clients, yeah. So we, we always had a target in mind to try and get to about two to 300 candidates in your core market um, at any given time. And, you know, the, one of the biggest KPIs, if you will, is meeting them. It was very much driven at, at meeting people and, getting getting to know people because as very as much as you can like get to know people over the phone it's just not as good as a relationship builder as meeting people face to face whether that's a coffee whether that's breakfast whether that's you know lunch whether that's a beer or or pint after work and truth be told some of my best relationships right now are are candidates that I used to Mm. work with you know and and we talk about loads of other stuff like not even regardless to recruitment or work it's just life stuff, right? Um, so we were very much targeted around um, going out and meeting people and building relationships with people. Because whenever you've got a relationship with someone, they they want to help, you know, and, and it's not just, you're not just a recruiter, you're actually, you know, and these relationships have come into, where I've gone round to people's house for barbecues, for birthdays, for, you know, just Sunday lunch and stuff. And, you know, it's all derived from actually meeting them from being in recruitment. Um It's very social. Very social then. So, yeah, yeah, very social. Um which which is great though because that breaks up the job. Because it's very recruitment's very, very hard where 95% um I mean, maybe people don't realize, but 95% of the day you're getting rejection. Mm. If if I'm calling people all day long that don't know me, trying to build relationships like a thousand other recruiters, no, no 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 and it's it's, it's no's all day and you have to have a lot of resilience you have to have that tenacity you have to have that grit that determination and that all comes down to the interview of, of actually when you're interviewed for the the job and that's where the drive in deep into why do you want to do recruitment because you, you it will be hard and it will be an up, up uphill battle to try and be successful at it and so how do you, how do you keep um, that resiliency up then so I always had them in the back of my head. So I had goals during the during the year that I wanted to target. Um, so I'd always I'd print out pictures for them. I would you know I would change my passwords to my goals and just mm-hmm. do like random stuff with that. But I always had in the back of my head: every no is is one step closer to a yes. Um, so a very
1: positive mental attitude.
2: Do you do, you do anything to yeah, foster that you as well? Re- then
1: do you, is there anything you do uh, in in your personal life to help you build that uh, that positive mental
2: state? For for me, it, it's dri- it's driven really back from my upbringing, mm. um, and I always remember my like my upbringing as to who I am and why I am the way I am today, um, and why I help so many people as, as much as I can, regardless of any return of investment or not. Um, and so what and is think that in
1: your upbringing that?
2: Um, a, a snapshot. Uh, so when I was fourteen, my mum passed away, and. Um, a lot of things sort of happened within the family that we got to a point where everyone was everywhere and no one was really together. Mm. So I very much quickly had to um, w- get two jobs. So I remember opening up the Yellow Pages and going, and it was on landscaping. And I I, I looked at the co- a company that was close to my hometown, Lurgan, and I rang him up and I was like, I'm looking for a job. And he said, yeah, you can start Saturday. And that was just cutting grass. <laughs> So I got paid, I think, thirty-five or forty pound a day. He picked me up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning, dropped me at seven o'clock at night. So that was a list of jobs that we went I... through
1: in this. In this <laughs> is yeah,
2: yeah, that, that's where it all started. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, but I was really good at cutting grass, actually. Yeah, very good. <laughs> well, you've got something uh, to fall back on. Then, like, well, you know, those skills. But <laughs> <of grass laughs> there. Well, there is, yeah, and, and tree surgery. Um, <laughs> you've not done tree surgery, since have you? <laughs> <laughs> well we did we did actually do one job and i, I vowed never to do it again we had like a, a wood chipper and i'm like barren mind i'm i'm skinny right and i was, I was i'm i'm only 5 for 8 now but back then i was like tiny and I've got this big, massive lorry and we're, we're, we're digging this like tree and we're trying to get that out. And the guy's like, zzz, and I'm the one that has to carry all the wood and put it into the um back of the lorry. And I remember just sleeping all day the next day, just going, <laughs> help me. <laughs> but, um, and then I got another job doing, um, bottle work in a bar. So you, it was called the cellar bar. So you had the cellar and then, it, underneath you had all the bottles from the night before which i'll never do this job this is a horrendous job so if you think of a club or a pub in on a saturday night everyone's drinking beer drinking coke and you know the floor gets sticky and all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff but all the bottles go down in a chute and the stench of it the, the day after where you have to go in you have to sort out all the bottles so the beer goes into that the the fanta goes into the fanta the coke goes into the coke and then you have to rack them all up and get them to be sent back um and it was just uh, the stench was just oh it was just horrible like you know just imagine like warm beer and sticky coke and it was just, <laughs> oh, it was just like yeah unpleasant so so that kind of got me through and I had to grow up really really quickly and I think that spared me all and I was still doing studies I was doing like um computers and business studies and then I'd done like an HND in computers that was so, I was always just like working away, doing it's stuff. It's great that you took a, a positive
1: attitude out of that because I think, you know, losing your mother at an early age, that's quite, that, that's got to be really mm. hard to take. It's really difficult.
2: Yeah, it is. But I think two, two schools of fault was like, I know where she is, and there's nothing I can really do about it right. You know, I, I can't do nothing about it. She's yeah. gone. So in my mind, I was like, well, if she's looking down at me, what would she want me to do? Would she want me to be, you know, um, sitting around and not doing anything with my life and kind of like, you know, mourning and stuff like that? And I, I do agree that you have, to, there is some sort of mourning and that you have to go through and some process and stuff. Maybe I was just a bit different, I don't know. But I was just like, well, I know if she was here right now, she'd be like, get off your backside and do something like, you know, go do something. So also, that's the approach I took is just like, right, let's go. Um, and if you ask my dad and you asked my sister and stuff like they're they were just like, your response was commendable. Like, you know, everyone else was, you know, in mm-hmm. bits and I was just like, all right, let's go tunnel vision. And I think when I grew up that way, I kind of vowed to myself that I would never, I would never be in a position where I have to do any of that again, or, when I eventually have my own family one day, they won't have to go through something like that where it's just like, you know, they will be taught. They will have to be working when they're 14, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that's um, commendable
1: though. I think that's an that's yeah. incredible resilience.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, and I think that's one of the reasons where Gravitas really, um, not say chose me, but kind of like wanted to give me a shot mm. because I was just like, just, just, just give me it. Like, and the first three months of recruitment was super hard like super super hard um well i'm interested in what to... it was
1: like what what it, well obviously you've moved away from recruitment slightly and we'll get to that in a second yeah but in terms of what it's like in the recruitment industry because we've talked about the candidates yeah. we've talked about the companies uh we've talked yeah. about uh, the leads like myself and uh yeah <laughs> i want to know about what it's like working with those other recruiters is it as
2: ruthless as they say Good question. Um it was. Um I don't think it is as much now. Um because you've got like everyone's trying to build the, the, the right culture to attract the right type of consultants, the right type of people into their company. Um back then it would have been very you know, in hit your KPIs, go home and you know it's kinda like you gotta look at it from a point of view like, do you is this person wasting your time? Mm. You know what I mean? And you know, because we you could have a an hour phone call, an hour meeting, but that won't lead to business. So you have to be quite ruthless with your own time and who you build relationships with because, you know, you could you could build relationships with some wrong people and they're never gonna work with you. They're never gonna um, give you business over. You know, five, five, six years, whatever, whatever, however long you're in that industry, um. So, you have to be quite ruthless with your own time and what you what you want to achieve because you're in it for the sake of being mm. in it. Um.
1: So, did you find that colleagues were trying to steal work off each other or anything along those sort of lines? Or was it quite? Is it is? Although it's a ruthless business, are are people yeah. at each other's throats or?
2: No, not so much. I think the way the way I we done it, and, and certainly for my team, was like, there's more than enough clients right. to go around. There's more than enough candidates to go around, and we would share candidates quite a lot um, because I would have a job and, and my colleague would have the candidates, so there's a lot of um, team uh, sharing, I suppose, of candidates. Clients was different because everyone would work their own clients. But actually quite um, a lot of
1: camaraderie then within the business.
2: Yeah, so so sometimes that's how we would we would uh fill jobs or, or do placements is like right, I know this person, this person, this person's available now, who do you know? I know this person, this person, who do you know I've got one person, right? There's six people. And bang. do you think
1: that's like it's like that in every uh
2: recruiter is that specific to you? I would like to hope yeah. so. I would like to hope so because if if you if you think about it, like if, if, if there was some sabotage or some stuff happening, um, people aren't going to stay around for that for a long time if there was people trying to like you know uh, what I mean?
1: yes i think that's probably that probably speaks to the fact that you're talking about it being such a strong relationship business. yeah you, have to. you know i guess those relationships have to go all the mm-hmm. way through
2: yeah and i think if you're trying to breed a good culture and a good environment for people to work in like there has to be some, there has to be rules in place. Absolutely. And there has to be some guidelines or, or thresholds for people not to cross over. Like for example, if I had my own client and someone called him, like I'd be like, why are you calling my client? But if I haven't contacted that client in six weeks or two months, then is he, is that person not eligible not to call that client if I'm not keeping in touch with him? So, so where do you draw the line on who Mm -hmm. can call who? Um, but again, there's, there's, you know, look, look at the many. I was tech focused, so look at the many tech companies there are in, in London alone, right? Um, and there's there's more than enough people to go, go around. It's more about how you getting your foot in front of that in in the door f- with that person. You know, is it a networking event? Is it, is it, is it, you know, turning up on the doorstep randomly? Try it out no no it, it works it works you know all much night whose doorstep have you randomly not me up? but I've, I've I've saw it happen um where people were, like knocking the door like Oh, i'm looking for such and such and they're like okay cool and he comes down oh yeah i've been trying to get hold of you i was in the area boom 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 have you got I, I presume you mean office door. yeah yeah yeah, door. yeah imagine <laughs> yeah
1: okay. of course it would be a little bit more inappropriate yeah. in the modern world of homework home well well you <laughs> never know
2: <laughs> imagine that <laughs> hello <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's taking cold calling to the extreme that is that
2: is but but it's it's different right <laughs> it's different and and in recruitment you're you, you gotta look at how to be different you can't be like, like if you're in recruitment right now and you're sitting there like you're struggling you're hitting the phones you're not getting through to people you gotta look at yourself like what am i doing that's different than everyone else what makes me stand out well, I suppose,
1: like, a couple of years back, before everybody else was doing it, you started posting videos on LinkedIn as well, Yeah, didn't you?
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Which I thought were real positive. Well,
2: um, yeah, they were positive. I did get some good comments, but I also got some unfortunate ones, which I wasn't really expecting. Um, and that kind of knocked me a little bit, like, knocked my confidence, where I was just like, wait a second, like... You know, if this is, like I put a post out and it's like, who do you think you are? Like, why are you why are you posting out? You're not you're not a developer. Like, I was just like, well, one you haven't looked at my profile, obviously, but it was just a bit like, well, if people are getting a bad experience from me doing it, then I don't want to continue on. So I just I just stopped. Well, everybody everybody's doing it. Yeah, now. I know. And I, I should have been at the just... forefront of it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you you were you were on the cutting um,
1: edge for a while. Yeah. But I think this is the um, this is the the inevitable inevitable problem of putting anything out on the internet. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, people are, people can say anything when they're hiding behind a computer. Yeah,
2: well that's it. But yeah, now I've got the approach where I don't care. I really don't. I don't care. <laughs> well, that's positive. Yeah, like positive. If, if people like me, they like me. If people don't like me, it it's. Uh, that's okay too. You know, that's that's fine. And so
1: we get to see a lot more of your videos
2: now. Yeah, right? well, uh, should I should tell you, should not, should tell you. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Um so I've got Premiere Pro, and I'm I'm in the background. I'm learning it. Um, so I I I've learned a lot of Vegas, Sony Vegas. Um, so I understand how it goes through. So um, I'm in the middle of making a lot of um, video, um, cool. to push out because there's no point in me just posting out one video and then trying to create another one. I want to create like a plethora of different you know, subjects, different videos to, to put out. So yeah, hold tight for a couple of weeks and you'll see. <laughs> um,
1: so we can expect to see a lot more of you. And if if this uh, if this podcast comes out after you've started to the launch that, we've got a link. Then we'll make sure yeah, we stick that link yeah. up as well, so people can get access to to more. That's of Aaron. it. Put
2: the thumbnail like this. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Um,
1: yeah, that's that's Aaron putting a double thumbs up there for uh, the people who can't <laughs> see Aaron. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um Yeah. How do you make that into a sound? <laughs> you can't.
1: Yeah, we'll think about that one later. We'll try and add a little sound effect for you, maybe. Or just edit this bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, nice. the, the, the wonderful power of having uh, the editor's that's it, button. That's it. Um, but uh, anyway, I mean, I, I did want to talk a little bit more about candidates specifically please. because there is a question that came up uh, in one of our other episodes, mm-hmm. which we were talking about uh, diversity okay. specifically and diversity in uh, in recruitment and the uh, types of people that are coming through. So Sam and I had the... Uh, had had the chance to work to, with one another in TalkTalk. Talk. And TalkTalk, Talk, as we've discussed before, within their web, well, actually, I think all their departments actually thinking about it, they were probably the most diverse company that I think we've ever worked mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people from all over the world, there were people from all different uh, sexual orientations mm-hmm. and you know, just about everybody, every uh, type of person you could possibly think of was represented in TalkTalk Talk in some way, shape or form. Um, but not every company is like that. And I was wondering, from your perspective, is there any discrimination that's going on in the recruitment industry? And if there is, where does it start? Does it start with the recruiters looking for the candidates or does it start in the company asking for a certain type of person? Ooh, that is
2: a great question. Great question. Um, <laughs> I think from the late, latter stages of working at Gravitas, like diversity was a massive thing. Um, and, and to the point that we actually ran um uh women in tech events um because a lot of companies mm-hmm. were looking to diversify their their software development team and it was very male dominated and they wanted actually more um uh female in in the in, in the tech space so we we did like massive drives and, and networking events and i'm sure they're on gravitas website um somewhere but some of the events were very much women led and actually empowering women to get into tech um and we're seeing more and more now across the industry that a lot a lot of people a lot of women are being more empowered like some of them are becoming ctos and you know ceos and running full full tech divisions. so um i do think to answer your question it probably would um extend from the current needs of of the uh company so if they were like you know they have a preference they can't necessarily say that we need a female or a male but if they have a preference you know they might prefer to have females so we would make sure that candidates that we do send over there is you know females in the mix with with also males so they've got a choice of who they choose and did you see that request often i personally didn't um because i've contract no. so i was you know it's for me it was more about the skill set and and getting them in but from Potentially from a permanent side, you know, companies would have would have probably said, you know, we're really um, looking for a diverse um, a team, and and you know we you know if you've got any female developers, we w- we would love to interview them.
1: And did that um, did that come across as well for for black, Asian, any other ethnic minority?
2: No, not so much. I think I think you would have a bit of. Um, uh you wouldn't necessarily get anyone you know asking for a specific ethnic origin for a developer you know i think that would very much come down to um being a race, being racist right you know if someone was to turn around and say that um it was very much focused around the skill set and focused around um getting the right person in that that fits the team whether that from a recruitment perspective is who they send over is a different question altogether like
1: does does any of that go unsaid though Do, you know in terms of you placing uh candidates and people judging on potentially even just judging on the name of the candidate yeah. as to making a decision
2: yeah absolutely i'm i'm sure that there is some sort of um yeah you know, from a from a recruitment perspective if they they might have a biased opinion on on someone's name or 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 not um can't really speak for everyone but some of some of the best devs out there that I, that I know don't have an English name, um, you know, and, and and come from different different backgrounds, and you know, so these these are people that I've known for you know five six years, and I've helped them with not necessarily just getting jobs, but actually stuff outside of work. So, I I would very strongly recommend that people don't discriminate p- against people if they are looking at the names and only sending over, you know, specific named individuals or English names, but um, yeah, I mean, it would, that would come down to, I suppose, that individual's perspective on, on, you know, placing, placing that candidate in, you know, they would know that client inside and out, right? Um, the other, the other, if you phone someone and, and they didn't have very good communication skills, then, you know, that would be, that would be something that you wouldn't send across because you, you base it on someone's communication rather than where they're from and, and what their name sounds like.
1: Well yeah, I think communication plays a, a big part in it really, doesn't it? Not not really where they're from. It's it's the it's the ability to communicate. Yeah. Especially when you, you can't really afford to have uh things lost in translation in a technology Absolutely. Um, sense. I think things can, can start to go awry at that point, I guess. Um yeah. It's interesting you mentioned more about the women, though, because I think the, uh, the there are a lot more events that we see these days that are female-focused. Um, but as I think uh, Sam and I have mentioned before, I mean, my computer science course, for example, had a very small percentage of, of women. The difference was there was a huge amount of dropouts on my computer science course. So I think there were somewhere in the region of two or 300 people who started the course and about 30 that finished. And I think of the people who did finish, I think uh the five women that i think did finish um were all there at the start so it was the men that dropped out <laughs> <laughs> so at least they it's, had the sticky saying power
2: but but like I've, I've placed girls i've placed females before and you know it's they're they're on top of things now like you know some of them are, are switched on and and doing well like um Especially, I, I know a few junior developers because I actually did a course recently that was a front-end development course, and it was fifty-fifty between male and female. And oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, um, and and I placed one of them um, into into a role, and she was she had only years experience in C Sharp, and and she was just like she wants a diverse company that that understands diversity, um, mm. and actually she wants to grow in that and. The company she went into was 50 50 split um
1: well, i think there's a gr- I think there's a great argument that, that actually um although there's there's fewer of them still um f- females generally make better developers i think
2: wow well, <laughs> you know that's, to some extent. That, we, we would need a proper debate table for that one <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I think I think so there's definitely some good on the contract side, good female developers that I know that have done phenomenally well.
1: And do you, do you tend to find that they would that you would find more females as contractors or more females as permanent staff?
2: Um there was there was a few in it was very male dominated in the contract market for sure. Mm. Um but there was there was females there for sure and permanent um you probably would find a lot more females into it so you'd find probably a lot more junior because because there's there this whole big thing on technology of women in tech right and getting people mm-hmm. women into technology and i mean it's still it's still going and, and it's really at the forefront of, of people's minds to get more women in, involved in technology so um there would be more people at, at maybe entry level mid-level um now they're probably up and uh, up in the senior but again it's it's probably heavy 70 percent, 80 percent male dominated yeah
1: and are you uh are you seeing similar sort of recruitment drives obviously in the same way as uh women in tech for black and asian minorities
2: no not necessarily um it, it was the one i saw was just very much women in tech focused um so we not me specifically but we held um women in tech network event that was we had a panel of um female um people that were leaders in the tech industries from you know CTOs dev managers right through to even we had hr people because as a as a tech business the hr is very much a part of it to try and create the the right diversity the right culture within the in the company right so we had a panel and then we had about i can't remember the exact number but a good 50 60 people turned up you know and everyone was email and they you know because everyone wants to know learn more about it and how do we appreciate and how do we get it out there more for more people to you know the more people making noise about it the more people's going to want to get involved and if you look at those 17 18 19 year olds now that enjoy technology enjoy phones enjoy since you've been on the computer and working and don't necessarily know the direction they want to go into, like, you know, if you, unless people are shouting, get into tech, get into development, get into this, mm-hmm. like, you know, they might not t- make that, 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 that option to go. So, but I think, I think it's great. Like from a holistic view, top down from, you know, what everyone is doing to really push the agenda of getting more females into tech is great. Cause you know, some of the, some of the, best people out there like you say are are female developers they they look at things a bit differently sometimes
1: well yes and i think more things are being discovered in history as well in the history books of people yeah. like uh, ada lovelace and you know some of the foremost uh, inventors of computer yeah. science <laughs> are, are females uh, but but anyway let's move on from from that subject now yeah, i think sure. it would be um because the other thing as well actually is the is the um is the actual recruiters themselves. So, you know, starting there's a lot of recruiters that are in their early twenties. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably one of the only industries where you can start in the early, in your early twenties. And although you've probably got quite a low base salary, you could easily be taking over a hundred grand a year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Easy. And that doesn't we'll take to... it doesn't take long to do. Do you but... want to talk to us a little bit more about, about that? Like, yeah, that so work? uh I don't want to be boastful or come across as sort of boastful, but um, yeah, I got to the point where I was you know, over six figures. Um, that was when, when you've got a contract runner book, you've got, uh, you've got like a margin that you would put on top. Now, if you talk toxic fees are 20%, so let's say, let's say you've got a hundred pound margin on, on a candidate. So they get paid 500. You charge the client 600, that 100 pound, the week would be a weekly gross profit right so it'd be 100 pound um but if you had um oh no that'd be 100 pound a day that'd be 500 pound a week but if you had 20 of those that'd be 10 grand right so you would ultimately bring in 10 grand per week so 40 grand a, a month to the company let's say 11 months because people work between 80 and 90 percent of the year so very quickly you could be looking at you know 400, 450k, depending on fluctuation. If you went up to more more contractors on or, or less, um, then that would be going into the the company, and then you would get a your whatever your commission structure is with that company, you would get a percentage of what you brought into the company plus your base salary. Sort of,
1: what is the sort of commission structure then? What sort of percentage are you talking about? 20. 20%. Generally around
2: yeah, generally around 20%. So. Four four 450 grand would be what you bring in the company you take home 90k commission you've got twenty thirty k package and away you go but so yeah very easy
1: way of being under 25 and taking home 100 hundred hundred plus very easy um well, we say very easy if you've got the skills well you know, yes ve- no it's
2: very easy in terms of it. it it looks easy and it sounds easy but you know look at the recruitment industry it, uh, I don't want to use the, the, the same old term that it, it comes out. It, it is a revolving door. You know, there's a lot of people start it. A lot of people try it for six months and don't like it. And, you know, that's, that's where it comes down to the individual in, in um, the interview. It's not based on, you know, when you're talking about diversity and everything earlier, you could look at the recruitment industry being a male-dominated industry. But some of the best recruiters I know are females like and they are really good at the job now it's not to say that um just because they're they're female it comes down to their ambition their drive their focus like what do they want to achieve what you know we're seeing more and more people across all industries becoming leaders of uh companies ceos of companies and and being females and, and running companies um and that comes down to when the interview, you know, I'm just like, for example, I know my own personal story, but a lot of people have their own stories of what makes them them and what they want to go and achieve. And if you've said, uh, uh, if you said to a 20 year old who's got the right ambition, the right goals, the right drive to the right resilience um, to go do what they want to do, they can very easily go make 100 grand in
1: it's just that there's a quite a high turnover within that first six months to Yeah, years, probably the first year
2: people will even know if it's for them or not. Yeah. Um
1: And then after that they're either hooked or uh,
2: Or not, yeah. Or not. Yeah, and it it can be quite it's quite tough. I remember when I first joined, I was ready for quitting after month four. Because I, I worked, I worked my like, I well, say I worked my ass off, right? I was in every weekend. I didn't necessarily go out. And one day I was in. I put a post up about this recently, um, where it was a Saturday and it was like month three, and I was just like, one of the seniors came in and he was just like, "You all right?" And I was like, Man, Like, if I don't, if I don't like do a deal or do a placement, I'm not going to have enough money to pay rent or enough money for food, like, and I." I won't, I won't be able to do any of this stuff or go out and enjoy myself. Like, And he said, right, okay. He said, what about what happens if you do do a deal or do do a placement? I goes, well, then I can get commission in and start earning money and start buying things and going out and enjoying myself. And he, he was like, that's exactly it. He goes, your perception is totally wrong. And he goes, your perception right now is, I can't, I can't, I can't. You've got to turn that into I can. It goes, because when you shift your focus to you can do it and not necessarily going to let anything get in your way, he says, it'll be a total, total different ballgame. It's a mind, mindset, it's a mind shift. And I did that. And then within a month, I'd done a placement and then that just, and then it just spiraled on. Um, And then month five, month six, I brought on two new clients um, and the first client, the first client I brought on board was actually ended up to be in month in in year five, one of my biggest clients. I built the mm-hmm. whole, the whole team for them from scratch. Um, and I had, I think I had like 10 contractors at that place. Like, what's
0: the main reason why people then give up or leave or, or whatever it is.
2: I think it's, I think it's like not getting you. you talk about little victories and, and big, success, big wins, right. Um, so sometimes people don't do a, a deal or a placement for seven, eight months. doesn't mean that they're bad at the job. It just means that it hasn't happened. If they're putting in the daily activities and ringing the people and speaking to the people and, and trying to build relationships day in, day out, they're showing up every morning they've got you know the, the grip between the teeth and they're they're going for it. All you can really ask for is, is application, you know, cause it, at one point in time and those relationships will develop. Um, so it's whether or not with with low basics, whether or not that person can justify, you know, working long hours and putting all the work in, and because it's a lifestyle business, it's not it's not a job. You know, we used to be at the desk like I used to be in seven seven thirty, seven forty five, and I'd be getting home at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. You know, and that was you know long long hours. Now if someone was to break that down from Twenty, thirty grand basic to the amount of hours you're doing. Like you're you're underpaid as a minimum wage, but with the commission and everything coming through, you, you can very easily turn that upside down. But and I, I was I was a true I, I was a, a testament to that. You know, the first year, the first two years, I'd done I done all right. Um, but after it clicked, after like month six, month seven, then then I was away. Um, and then I just just kept going. I think it's quite normal
0: for you know, whatever job you go in, it's quite normal for it to take six or seven months for it to, you know, to, to fit comfortably within the company and the culture and all the rest of it. Do you think that has any Absolutely, part yeah. in in it, whether it's you finding your feet as a recruiter or you finding your feet within the company and then skyrocketing?
2: Yeah. I think I think from a management point of view, you're always gonna look at specific um, not results, but like application. If you feed the machine x enough of x, you're gonna get y out right so if you keep feeding in and feeding in and then at the other side will eventually come some results. but if you're not feeding the machine, you know for example let let's let's put a scenario us free we're against each other to try and get new clients and you Chris called ten people, you called five people, but I was calling twenty five people daily for a month. I'm gonna get more results purely off the back of me calling more people regardless of skill set it's just it's just a, a, a fact um, it's a volume thing it, it can be FFA. it can be a volume yeah didn't,
0: didn't you say that was sort of turning then that was kind of flipping now and it's more relationships rather than absolutely
2: numbers. so yeah so that was that that is turning into more of. A, i mean you still would b- build up relationships with people so of those 25 i might get three meetings of those three meetings that's where the relationship starts um i I might get as many no's or as many rejections as as you if you've called five people and i've called 25 right um but then i'm I'm giving myself more optimal chances to get through the door to build that relationship up um things are changing now where a lot more people are looking at more inbound rather than outbound so i was very traditional and lists of people and calling people and trying to get through um uh, gatekeepers, we call them, but receptionists, <laughs> um, for lack of a better word. Uh, but yeah, so we we used tra- like, and there's there's training around how to get past them, and they're people at the end of the day. You have to treat them with respect, you know. Mm. And you know, th- their job is to not let you know sales calls and stuff through. But if you, I I remember speaking to people, and I'd be like, um, such and such, like, uh, you know, speak speak to John over there, and she'd be like, oh, he's busy, and send them an email and I'll be like okay do you want cc'd in in it like and it's just giving them that level of respect like you know I, I'm, you're not just another person at the end of the phone you can be involved in this process too and there amount of times they've said yeah and then I've emailed both that person cc'd in the receptionist and then it's led to, to a meeting because the next time I've called that receptionist they're like yeah straight through because hmm. you get it rather than just going oh right go bye you know uh, you know it's it's Regardless of who you are, like so deeper than that. Yeah, you have to like respect and integrity is is a, like has to happen. It's regardless of who you're speaking to, from like what happened the other day. It was on Instagram where or Lad Bible or something like that, where someone went for a a specific job and um, went into the reception, and um the actual hiring manager was actually on the reception, pretend to be a receptionist, and the and the person treated them wrong, <laughs> and then they went into the interview and literally. Uh, see you later. Thanks for coming in, but no. That's friends. an
1: interest, That's an interesting yeah. technique. That is.
2: Yeah, have you not heard have that I before? I
1: am working an office again.
2: Oh, there's, there's, there's been. There's, I want to try that. There's been, Yeah, there's been many of them. There's been ones where, not, not my industry, but um, what I did hear of was uh, it was in a mechanics, uh, mechanic, auto, automotive uh, place where the the garage, I think they call them. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, it was the <laughs> office of it. It was the, and. <laughs> the, the hiring manager was in the bathroom in his overalls and he was washing his hands. And then someone came in and he's like, Oh, you, you, you knew here or something? And the guy's No, I've got, I've got to flip an interview today with some dude about a job and stuff like that. He's like, All oh, right, okay, you know, what's the job? And started telling him. And then he's like, All oh, right, okay, well, good luck with it. And walked out, got all, out of his overalls and obviously into his suit, went into the um, meeting room, sat down. And the guy walked in and he's just like, Oh, no oh no <laughs> so you know again you just don't know who you're speaking to and you know
1: everybody needs treating with the same respect I think so that's the,
2: that, that's the moral of that story I think it's, it's, it's a hard job but it's a re- rewarding job um, it's easy to a point where when you learn the craft it becomes a lot easier and then you do it like you're Yeah, like you guys coding you could do it with your eyes closed right um it's just a lot harder to get started at the start because of the rejection so if i told you guys so so imagine you were putting a um a bit of code into the into vs studio and every time you put it in said no all day long and then right and it does happen
1: with code reviews
2: yeah yeah (laughs) but like but that's every day right every day constantly until and then you get like a one yes great and then you know what I mean? Um yeah. Just to try to put it into analogy for 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 coding, but uh, again, there's 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 it's it's spinning plates, right? So you got the candidate, you got the client, you got terms of conditions, you got paperwork, you got finance, you you know you've got all these things that you need to be doing at once, and not to say it's it's the hardest job, it's it, but it is it is, uh, and that's where you get a lot of people that do unfortunately leave where it is a revolving door because they don't manage to spin all the plates at once and then therefore they get frustrated and that's where clients turn around and be all like, well, where's such and such gone? Like, I've been speaking to them for three months and they've left now and now I'm speaking to John over here and is he going to leave in three months? And now I'm speaking to, you know what I mean? So, it's, but different companies have different models. I was straight in 360, um candidates and clients some people just do client or some people just do candidates get to a certain level then client then you get into client management um it's a tiered sort of system other people just do business development and then they've got a a team of resourcers that just do the candidate side so me personally i like the whole 360 element because i could speak to speak to chris know his personality know that he likes certain type of music he likes you know, fast paced stuff in terms of driving and and go-karting and all that sort of stuff. And then if I speak to a candidate who's a good developer, but also got a passion for racing or, you know, loves rock music or loves playing lead guitar or whatever, then I know they're going to have commonalities. So it makes sense for me to put that person forward. But I wouldn't have known that about the candidate or Chris if I haven't met them and and actually developed that relationship with them.
0: Do you see any introverts in your industry do well or like... I feel like it's a very extroverted mm. culture or, or extroverts would obviously do well. That would be what my, a, you know, monkey brain tells me.
2: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, that's a really interesting question uh, and thanks for asking it. Cause it may, it's making me really, really think about it because you want people with confidence and not necessarily fear. Um, no, I'm not saying confidence is being extrovert, but, there's a lot of, I suppose, similarities of being out there and being in front of people and all the rest. But other people don't do do don't necessarily like to be in front of everyone and being loud and being out there. And sometimes they don't necessarily like, you know, hanging around with a lot of people. So I, I have known a few people to not necessarily be like that but still be quite successful in recruitment because it's very focused. They need to be they're doing a good job and they're doing a good job for that person. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily, they need to be yeah. sole or center of the, the, the party, if, we'll, if and, you will. And
0: and the fact that you mentioned it's, it is moving into more relationship building. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel for say introverts where it's, yeah, there's a volume aspect to it, but actually you're going out and you're meeting people. And I don't know. I, the, the, the reason why I asked is I sort of thought that you, the skills that you have, I feel like are so transferable between so many different things. You could do business development, you Mm -hmm. could do, you know, public speaking, confidence, all that kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. and then it got me thinking just how, how could introverts benefit from learning the skills that you learn? Um, I think it's invaluable.
2: So good. It's a great, great, great example. Great question. Because I, from my perspective now not, to come from a boastful point of view, but I can, in a way, the way my mindset is now because I've done recruitment. I can put my hand to anything. Like, give mm. me anything, I'll learn it. If I don't know it, I'll find a re- I'll find, I'll find a way around it. I'll, f- I'll, I'll, I'll learn it. Like, I'm doing video editing now. Like, I've, I've done bits of it before. I've done, I've built websites in React and JavaScript. You know, I, you know, do forex trading. Like anything, just, just give me it, and I'll learn it. Um purely but that's the application because like it's the drive to go go do it I don't want to just do one thing and I think recruitment now put me in a room full of anyone and I'll I'll talk to anyone about anything um obviously if it's recruitment led it's a lot better but (laughs) it's (laughs) like like a
1: grassroots mentality that you've got that started with the landscaping I
2: think (laughs) Yeah, well, you know grassroots. what, you, 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 you like took the words right out of my mouth. You <laughs> did, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, cutting, cutting the uh, cutting the tips right off the, uh, the grass. Bro.
1: <laughs> Let's t- let, so you've moved on from direct recruitment. So yes, you, you've you've moved into a different in, different part of uh, yeah a part of the industry. What triggered that change for you?
2: So I think it all stems back from what you mentioned earlier with doing the videos. Mm. So I, I knew like I wanted to do something different when, when I'm saying about being different and I knew I wanted to stand out like for videos or for doing something just to get myself out there. Um, and I left Gravitas and joined another company for a year and that was fine. And, you know, at the end of it, um, probably about two months before the before we parted ways, um, I joined Hoxo's Academy, which was a twelve week course based on getting yourself out there, building your personal brand, understanding LinkedIn optimization, everything, right through to actually producing the right type of content. So I really wanted to to learn this, to 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 do something in the market that was going to be a lot different than just bringing through lists and trying to build up relationships and trying to meet people and stuff like that. Like, how do we have that one-to-one conversation I'm having to one-to-many online? Um, and about four or five weeks into it, I really just liked how Sean and Amar were. Um, they're very forward thinking. They were very, I just knew straight away, like I need to work for these guys. Like I want to be a part of what they're building. You know, if you ever go, go for an interview and like, you know, you get that feeling where you just, you know, I, I, I would love to work here. Like these guys are are doing some great stuff and, where they're going to be in the next three or four years is going to be, you know, crazy, and I need to be a part of it. You know, um, that's kind of the feeling I got. So, uh, after about week four or five of the academy, I reached out to them and and said, "Listen, can we have a chat?" And um, and then here we are. But um, I'd I'd originally interviewed with them, the time I left Gravitas, but it wasn't quite the right timing. So I've always kept in contact with them, um, for for the best part of a year and. At that time it just wasn't the right timing for either of us. And then uh yeah, so I, I reached out to them and they brought me on board. So so here we are.
1: And so what exactly are they doing then? What's 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 so enticing about this new world for you then?
2: So again, it's 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 about it's about getting yourself out there. If you look at people's buying journeys and how you would go purchase something online. So say say you were looking at trainers like trainers or something like that. Um, next minute you see it on Facebook, you see it on Instagram, you see it on, and it's, it's basically what Nike is doing is through algorithms, is making you aware of who they are. Through um, free adverts, through free, free whatever. So, to the point that you're more than likely gonna buy those trainers because you've saw you've been aware, you've been a, you know who they are, you've saw them and you're cons- you're being nurtured over a period of time to the point that you're gonna buy. So it's kind of looking at the the buyer's journey and, and doing that online through LinkedIn. So, you know, people post now a bit more about themselves, doing videos or doing specific content that's actually focused on their market that's gonna drive engagement and people are actually going to Get involved with them rather than just cold calling, cold calling, cold calling. They actually, I had it today, for example. I spoke to a guy called Nathan Drew, who was just like, "Mate, I saw you post the other day. That was wicked. Like, you know, really good point about people not getting the right engagement. So it's it's conversation starters, um, and it's warmer conversations rather than just you don't know me, I don't know you, and I'm gonna try and you know teach you and tell you and you know probe you to um you. To, to we meet and then try and build a relationship with you. Whereas if you see something, if you see something, so let's take an example of this podcast right now. So if you put this podcast out, people are going to be aware of what you're doing, who you are, who I am, who Sam is. Um, and they're going to understand what it is you're trying to do. And, and that might spark a conversation off the back of that, that will lead down a path where something else might happen off the back of it. And that's all we're really doing is making people in specific markets aware building people's personal profile online so that they have more engaging conversations with clients and candidates and, and get warm leads.
1: Okay. So it's a, sort of the development of warm warmer leads then really yeah. through building relationships. So building on your relationship development further. So if you had to, in the academy that you've talked about, did you have to learn any specific skills, any extra skills around marketing, sales, and uh, does the recruitment background, the strong recruitment background that you've got, does that put you in a in a good position? Uh
2: to answer your question, so it puts me in a good, strong position because yeah, I understand the industry. So we look at marketing from a sales point of view, not a marketing point of view, because everyone we're working with are salespeople, right? Um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, um, learning any new skills or well, forgot No, it's it's very much a. Uh, a methodology, methodology and structure being put in place of what's been proven before. So uh, the likes of the CEO of Hoxo Shawn, he's been doing this for three and a half years and he's he's got to the point now where he's got you know over 600,000 views on his LinkedIn every month and he's getting 15,000 downloads on his podcast. So what he's done is documented everything he's done over the last three years and put it into a course because if he can do it, then he wants to be able to teach other people to do it. Um, and that's what the courses um, drive from. But the, the key areas of what it's for is from people that are afraid to post online. You know, some of the, some of the comments I got, you know, if I had the support and if I had the education around, well, you're going to get that and you just got to keep going back then I probably would have continued on, you know, or so most people just don't know how to start or don't know what to post or what's, you know, what's going to drive engagement. And, they overcomplicate it where they have to simplify it down and actually really think and, and have a structured approach against it rather than just, it's not just about posting and marketing out for you know, the sake of it. It's, it's a proper strategy and a proper process that you need to go through to build on each week to then start getting the results and getting clients and candidates come to you rather than you going to them.
1: Uh, what's your plan in the future then? Do you have, what, what have you got your site set on?
2: Um, I really think that what Hoxo have got right now is the future. And they're so ahead of the game, it's unreal. Um, the stuff that we're even talking about next year is that, that's coming into play, like, it's it's just like, it's got to be a game changer for everyone. Um, and the conversations that I have, 95% of them, they're like, oh, I love what you guys do. Love what you guys do. Oh, I saw this of you. I saw this of you. So they already know through us marketing out what we do um and that's that that's the conversation so the future is to have more conversations like that and build a team of people that actually get warm conversations and actually can convert them into deals and, and business um long term i'm not too sure i'm only really looking at the next three years till i'm 35 Where do, do we expect to see you in uh 10 years time 10 years time who knows um 10 years time well listen i i think it depends where hawks are if i stay there that long that would be great but if not uh, i think my next move would be to set up my own company yeah um yeah i think i've been i've been in recruitment long enough now even with the new way of potentially recruiting coming in and, and people starting to get wins and warmer conversations and warm leads coming coming through through their activity through content through marketing it, it, it would make sense but i'm i'm quite enjoying where i am right now and i, I think i, I think it'd be another couple of years before we even make that decision was to build a hell of a network okay, through great. doing all that as well right well well that's it i don't know if i would do the same market i don't know it depends i mean uh, i'm always keeping an eye on the markets and how things are going and front end's very heavy AI is very heavy data is very poignant topic right now you know and cybersecurity is another one so you know looking at the next 3 years like where we're we going to be as a as a country and technology what it's coming in you never know we might be doing holographics and VR and AR like who knows right um it's it's quite exciting to sort of see but yeah
1: we should try and uh, wrap this up because I want to say thank you yes. for being on the podcast Aaron no it's problem been amazing to have you here and no hopefully when everything is all cleared up and we can see people in real real life yeah we can arrange to meet up again in real life and yeah have a drink. <laughs> and it's a great excuse to probably go to the lakes I guess that's it that's it
2: yeah <laughs> no problem thanks Chris thanks Sam
1: <laughs> all right cool let's wrap <laughs> it up here then Huge <laughs> thanks for your it.
2: time have a good night
1: Thanks. Bye.
2: Bye.